0: Today on the show, we're using every trick in the Dirty Trick book to get you to listen to the rest of the episode. I've got like 19 hidden flip darts on my body. Oh, They're wow. all poisoned. Is uh-huh. this working? Is it going? <laughs> <laughs> Will you continue listening? Should I say the safe word? <laughs> right.
1: We're threatening to murder you, dear listener, <laughs> if you don't listen to the rest of the episode.
0: I hear ultimatums are a good look on podcasts. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Gom Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. Mm. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. <laughs> my name's Abu.
0: <laughs> my name's Leo.
1: <laughs> I forgot I was supposed to say my name.
0: Adaptations. Mm.
1: Adaptations. <laughs>
0: Abu and Leo, here we are again. <laughs> here
1: we are again. And yeah. today, Leo, yep. we are talking about the one, the only, Fade Rotha Harkonnen. God. The nah Baron of House Harkonnen itself.
0: What a character. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> talking about adaptations, what an actor who played what him an actor yeah. for Sting? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cod piece lives on in our minds and our hearts.
1: Yeah, night and day.
0: Well, and in, the reason we're talking about this, of course, is it was a listener request from Champagne Chow Main.
1: <laughs> Which is a great Twitter name.
0: Spectacular <laughs> <laughs> Twitter handle. Uh, Champagne Chow Main. Thank you for your fantastic suggestion. Mm-hmm. And also, because... We're, you know, we're going into part two is later this year. Uh, Villeneuve's adaptation is happening and we are inevitably going to meet Fade Rautha played by Austin Butler. Right. And it's important to understand Fade as a sort of narrative counterpoint and a narrative mirror to Paul Atreides, the main character of Dune. (laughs) Right. So we wanted to talk about him, set some time aside, explore his character a little bit.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And look, before we get ahead of ourselves here right right we must make shout out mapes proud yeah and take care of some housekeeping so first and foremost as always a spoiler warning for today's episode today's episode will cover the events of the first book right so as long as you have read the first dune novel you are good to go for today i will say though if you have only watched the movie and not read the book yet Yeah, go read the book and then come back and listen, because we (laughs) will literally be talking about some monumental end of book spoilers that you deserve to read for the first time on your own first.
0: Yeah, like the fourth to last page of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're back there. Yeah. Now, if you love what we do and you want to support us, the best way to support us, as always, is to become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash gomjabar. You'll get ad-free episodes, early access to things we do, bloopers, and clips, bonus things, Mm -hmm. thingamajigs. Mm -hmm. And we have an exclusive Discord where we hang out, we swap... Spit? No, we swap (laughs) memes. We we, uh, we joke around. There's some spit
1: memes in there, though.
0: There's a lot of spit memes these days. (laughs) And... As always, huge shout out to our Quisatz Hadarac members, Kay mm. Saken and Matthew Good.
1: Yes. Oh. Gentlemen. Yeah. My safe word now <laughs> is Kay yeah. Saken and Matthew Good. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is confusing because in the throes of passion, you are known to utter their names. <laughs> it's really mixed signals.
1: Oof. Anyway, that's our. Overly aggressive and uncomfortable way of saying thank you for <laughs> thank your generosity and your yeah. support of the show. And that thank you extends to all of our patrons and all of our listeners who tune in week in and week out.
0: Indeed. Thank, thank you Gamjabar. so much. Really.
1: And of course, another way to support the show, in addition to the Patreon, is to go check out GamjabarShop.com. Mm. There you'll find our merchandise featuring exclusive Dune designs and art. Mm -hmm. and they're all so deep cut that you will inevitably (laughs) be asked about them, and then you'll have to explain. Yeah. And then you'll get to tell them about Kamjabar. It's a (laughs) win-win.
0: Or this is the way it works for me. No one brings it up, and then I bring Mm. it up, and I'm like, hey, did you Mm. notice my tote
1: bag? (laughs) Yeah, and then they back away slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm glad you've witnessed those uh, interactions I've had. Finally, we love to hear from you. We really, really do. So, yeah. if you have a comment, a suggestion, a complaint, uh, the ideal amount of pulp in your orange juice—oh, uh-huh—most, yeah, cool. <laughs> Glad we said that in unison. <laughs> Email us gamjabarpodcast at gmail Gamjabarpodcast at gmail com. Yeah, we respond in one to fifteen months, and uh, <laughs> we we take great pride in it. G- we great do. joy, not in being late, but in re- replying eventually. <laughs> in replying eventually, indeed, yeah. indeed.
1: <laughs> All right, that takes care of our housekeeping for today. Mm-hmm. The game plan for this episode is as follows: right. We're going to begin our conversation today by exploring Fade Rotha's background, his upbringing, and what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us about his life outside of the Dune novel. And then we'll dive into a fun conversation exploring Fade's function in the novel and as a character, as kind of Paul's foil, right? As the inverse or the mirror image of Paul Atreides, our protagonist. And we'll do a bit of comparing, contrasting of their lives, their motivations, and their characters. And then finally, we'll wrap up the episode with a quick discussion about Austin Butler- yeah and fade rotha in the upcoming dune part two film and what our hopes dreams and expectations about that are
0: golden golden globe winning austin butler
1: yeah award-winning actor he gets to say now i I guess he already won some smaller awards but golden globe winning it's a a big one it's a a big one
0: um now before we get into the body of our episode we should, uh, as we sometimes have to do, touch briefly yeah. on our handling of canonicity, mm. because Fade Routha is a member of House Harkonnen, and House Harkonnen is featured and developed in some books by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Some of the prequel novels. There is, even, I think, there's a House Harkonnen has a book, is a book. Um, but as always, we want to reiterate: we give priority to canon established by Frank. Yes, whatever he says goes. And there are times when Brian's lore directly contradicts that. We got a request recently to talk more about that. We will at some point in the coming uh, in the coming months.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And then there's the Dune Encyclopedia, which we're also going to be referencing today, which plays a lot more nicely with Frank's world. It was written by some of his contemporaries and received his endorsement, uh, so we treat that as number two. And all of that to say. You out there in listener land, if you read House Harkonnen, if you are familiar with Fade Rautha in that extended canon in Brian Herbert's universe, you will notice some differences here. And uh, we just wanted to be upfront with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Dune canon, as we've stated before, is messy, continues to be messy, and will always be messy. So yep. <laughs> we just want to <laughs> yeah. be very clear about our stance on the canon and how we treat it on this podcast. Yeah. That having been said, Let's now take a short break, but dear listener, do not go anywhere. Yeah. Don't make us say the safe word <laughs> because we'll be right back in just a minute to dive into our conversation about Fade Rotha Harkonnen. We'll see you in a minute. We will indeed.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed your break. Hope you didn't have to say the safe word. Let's talk about the beginning of Fade Rautha. Let's talk about his earliest days. Mm. When he was born.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when when his, he was his born. His first day, some would his say. His first,
0: his almost, <laughs> you could say, the first day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Fade Rautha <laughs> was born in the year 10,174 AG. Mm-hmm. To parents Abelard Raban and his concubine Thora Raban. And Abelard might sound familiar to longtime listeners because we have talked about him before. Mm-hmm. And what you basically need to know about him is that he renounced his Harkonnen name, hence the Raban, mm-hmm. in exchange for a subdistrict governorship of a county and a planet called Lankavale. Right. So basically, he was renounced. All claims to any title or power that he may have as part of a major house, House Harkonnen, and settled for, I guess, the easy life of a governor of a planet. Yeah, I get it. Very black sheep of the family energy from Abelard here.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: Now, when it comes to his mother, Thora Raban, all we're told in the Dune Encyclopedia is that she was the daughter of someone named Elsun Raban. Mm-hmm who was a minor house ruler. So Thora evidently comes from a minor house, no one super notable or super powerful. And Abelard is like, well, I also renounced my name, my great house name. So it seems like a match made in heaven, perhaps, between these (laughs) two. We're not told too much about their relationship or their interactions with Fade, but that is about the extent of the knowledge we have of their background who they are and where they came from.
0: Right, right.
1: Now, of course, both of them living this quiet country life on Lankyville (laughs) means that they aren't huge players in this universe, right? On this political stage, they are not massively influential like many of the other characters that we know from the Dune universe. Right. Now, when it comes to the rest of the family tree, in addition to Fade, there's, of course, the older brother that we can't forget about. (laughs) Y'all might have heard of him. Count Glassu Raban, who was born forty two whole ass years <laughs> before fade, so yeah. this is of course Beast Raban, yeah, and this fact blows my mind every time I see it the fact that they have a forty two year age gap between first son and second son.
0: Dude, I forget that all the time. And can you imagine your your like tenth birthday party and your older brother is going through midlife crisis, right? And I know this happens. Like I know that it is not impossible. And yeah, but it's just it, it's just wild. So he's in his fifties when we meet him in Dune.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, granted, again, spice melange, geriatric properties. He's, right. He's still a young man by Dune standards, but it's just mind blowing.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely.
0: Now, when it comes to fate's childhood. <laughs> Now that we've shared that bounty of information about his parents, <laughs> we've got almost as little about uh, his uh, early yeah. childhood. Yeah. Um, we do know a couple of things, though. We we can kind of ascertain a few things about his childhood. First of all, we know that the Benny Gesserit were keeping tabs on him as a kid because he is part of the Benny Gesserit breeding program. So they've got a, <laughs> a lot of time and energy invested in him existing They're keeping an eye on him. The other thing is from a very early age, he showed early and profound, remarkable promise. Like he was a very skilled, apt young man in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. I know that like when we meet him in Dune, it's he's not, (laughs) I'm not blown away by how incredible he is. He kind of is a pouty, sulking child, literally. But that is in spite of quite a few qualities. To say more about the Benny Gesserit element of this. Yeah. You know, the Bene Gesserit spent thousands and thousands of years planning this Quisatz Haderach breeding program. And that was culminating in Fade Rautha Harkonnen hooking up with the daughter of Jessica and Leto Atreides. Right. And while we're not exactly sure like what qualities, like what breeding qualities uh, Fade possessed that the Benny Gesserit were interested in. Based on the character that we meet in Dune, we can tell that he has a lot of the same kind of... like He's clearly athletic, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a tactician. The way he fights is very clever. And his early qualities were remarkable enough that although Glossu was a grown-ass man, although he was like a literal adult, (laughs) uh, Fade was still chosen to be the successor for for Baron Harkonnen. Baron's like which of these two people and it's like a Mm. seven-year-old and a 30-year-old and he's like right you
1: yeah (laughs) look i've met some 30-year-olds that i would not hand over my kingdom to so i understand
0: very true yeah (laughs) hire my nephew over any of them (laughs) any day totally yeah
1: totally now once this decision is made which i'm so fascinated by yeah Like, I'm shocked that this isn't explored more in Dune. Yeah. Like, Raban Beast Raban should, like, really have a complex about this, right? Like, shouldn't he be, like, have some, like, older brother, younger brother (laughs) syndrome situation going where he is mad? I don't know. Again, he is, again, very much like this muscle-bound meathead. Yeah,
0: maybe he just loves violence. And he's like, what is that? Politicking and secrets and poison and assassin? Right. No.
1: Yeah. Maybe he's just not built for it, and he accepts his lot in life, that he is just here to beat some people up. Yeah, and we, he's we know people
0: like that. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> right? my thing isn't thinking. My thing's yeah. swinging hands, exactly. throwing
1: hands. <laughs> the same 30-year-olds that I would never hand <laughs> my kingdom over to. its totally. It fits oh my God. the puzzle pieces.
0: This is nonfiction. This book is nonfiction. <laughs> I'm learning.
1: <laughs> All of my friends who are 30 are suddenly like, See it me? Is he talking about me? Could it be me?
0: Let me just get let me just clear the air. Yes.
1: Yeah, let me name some names.
0: (laughs) If you're thinking, is he talking about yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get his podcasts (laughs) when he is inevitably assassinated by another podcast. You don't get them.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Honing back in on fade. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This suddenly became the Raban podcast for like five minutes here. Yeah. Honing back in on fade. Once he is selected to be the next heir of House Conan, mm-hmm. Vladimir, the Baron, basically brings him into his household, takes him off of Lankaville, brings him to Giddy Prime. And what's interesting is the encyclopedia actually tells us a bit about the motivation behind this, too. Like, we're cracking jokes that, like, Beast Raban was the big dummy, Fade was the obvious choice. Right. But there were some classic Benny Gesserit meddling here as well in sort of pushing the Baron to selecting Fade. So evidently, the sisterhood approached Baron Vladimir Harkonnen and mm-hmm. basically told him that one of his two nephews would possess the innate, quote, manipulative military genius of the Baron's historical idol, Emperor Avalard 10 the 17th, <laughs> end 17th. quote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how they said it, too. They were like, the, the military genius of... Okay, X is Uh, 10, 10, V is 5. It's just like Final Fantasy 15, but then there's two more. So that's like Final Fantasy 7.
1: Uh, But we're not at Final Fantasy 17 yet. It's confusing. It's confusing. Final (laughs) Fantasy
0: 22? Do we add the... No. Fuck.
1: (laughs) Right. The only way I know how to count Roman numerals (laughs) is, is the number of Final Fantasy games. It can only count up to fifteen.
0: It's the method. <laughs> every every three or four years, we add a number to how high we can count.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So basically, the Baron decided Beast Raban is not going to be that guy. He has no military genius in him. It's right. got to be Fade. And, you know, considering what we know about Raban from the movie, from the books, from his actions. It seems like a pretty (laughs) safe assumption on the Baron's part that he chose Fade over his other nephew to inherit his power. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, again, you're you're talking about like the sisterhood saying one day one of them will show promise, and he looks at his 50 year old (laughs) nephew and he's like, "Would have happened by now, I think." Right. I think a safe bet is a good way to put it. Totally. Now, Fade's upbringing this like new period once he'd entered into house harkonnen officially like once he'd come out of abelard's household and into vladimir's Mm -hmm. can be categorized into basically like three focuses of study like three areas of preparation for leadership one-on-one combat (laughs) important important Mm -hmm. in this uh universe political deception which to be fair yeah important also good Oh, and then finally, the most important class in right. which failure is not an option—hating House Atreides, <laughs> just <laughs> fucking hating House Atreides—and that's it. Those are the three classes that he took, uh, you know, every day of the calendar year. Yeah, and the Dune Encyclopedia does point out that he had a pattern. This is, I take it, during the one-on-one combat and not the political deception class. <laughs> Uh, the Dune Encyclopedia points out that he pretty regularly killed his training partners. So mm. Fade Rautha was <laughs> straight up killing his training partners, which, if nothing else, we can see that he, even from a young age, is used to taking lives. Yeah. We also know that House Harkonnen is one of the houses that uses slave labor. Right. So these are probably gladiatorial slaves. Yeah. And prisoners of war.
1: That's a good assumption, I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone is applying to the open position of Fade Rotha's <laughs> next trainer after yeah. a long string of dead trainers. You know, so I'm I'm sure it's something yeah. that his teachers forced slaves or lower members of the household into doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, on my resume, I do have a beating heart like on my resume uh, my uh-huh. heart is currently beating and yep. that's the only requirement for the job so <laughs> I was thinking about applying but you say the last seven were killed mm. mm-hmm. in the in doing the job okay
1: yeah minor accidents okay fatal, there... but, fatal but minor accidents
0: yeah, sure yeah could have been more fatal <laughs> could have been three times as fatal uh, health benefits any health benefits in this position no. or
1: no <laughs> No. You have to cover your own medical bills.
0: Ah, uh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. And hopefully, Giddy Prime's like a beautiful planet with like great atmosphere.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I uh, we'll, we'll see you on Monday. We'll need you in 730 Monday. I'm glad.
0: I will take the job. My, 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 my father didn't raise a quitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. That was a weird extended bit. Good on us <laughs> for committing to that. Absurd. So let's wrap up this part of our conversation because unfortunately, that's about it from the Dune Encyclopedia. Yeah. The rest of the entry basically just recaps the events of Dune in yeah. Rotha's life, which we yeah. are, of course, all intimately familiar with already. Right. The only notable thing in the rest of this dune encyclopedia entry is that it does say that fade rotha was homosexual. Yeah. With quote only rare occasions of heterosexual liaisons with slave women. end quote.
0: Yeah, I hate that. That's dumb.
1: Yeah, not a fan. I mean there's also this uh, this other like weird implication in like a throwaway sentence that there was perhaps a relationship between the baron and fade like some sort of like sexual right, right. one-sided power dynamic relationship, but it never expands on that. And even this line that says that rotha is homosexual, it's just one sentence. And then the encyclopedia moves on. This to me, and I think you feel the same, feels yeah. like a rare misstep from the Dune encyclopedia authors. Nothing mm-hmm. in Frank's writing implies Fade rotha's sexuality one way or the other. And unfortunately this does feel to me, like a classic case of making the quote-unquote bad guys gay. Yeah. Which speaks to the era and the time that the books and the encyclopedia were written, right? Different era, different time. It's a weird look. Yeah, yeah. And the encyclopedia says it, so we want to, you know, present it factually here, but I think it's something neither you and I like.
0: Yeah. Even if, like, the individual, because the Dune encyclopedia was written by a number of people and kind of compiled by... McNally even yeah. if it was like an individual who wrote that with good intentions cuz there's no there's no problem with any character no. being gay yeah from a literature standpoint this is a this is a broad issue yeah and it, that being part of their villainy totally it's really it's like tone deaf it also hurts that we don't have other instances in the dude encyclopedia that i've come across of like oh yeah this random smuggler was bisexual and like this it it really doesn't seem like they are staunch advocates for representation yeah it does seem like they're leaning into this well you know obviously how twisted and awful his uncle was became how twisted and awful he is and right right. i just yeah i think a misstep is the way to put it and Personally, I feel comfortable striking this (laughs) from my, like, internal head cannon. my my ongoing... Yeah.
1: I feel the same. I feel the same. This is a rare instance where I disagree with the encyclopedia, based on what Frank wrote, and this feels like a leap too far in the wrong direction.
0: Also, we see him fucking digging on Margot Fenring. Like, we see him like, yo, she's gorgeous. And that doesn't... Again... Frank didn't write, and also Fade Harkin Harkonnen was heterosexual. <laughs> like we didn't get that sentence, right? Right. But it just it it's so weird to assert that in spite of the evidence that Frank did provide to us that he maybe has a thing for for the late. I don't know. It, yeah. it is just very. Yeah. It's very strange.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I wanted to do my due diligence, and I went back and read the Fade chapter where, yep. like you're saying, Margot shows up, but also the chapter where the assassination attempt on the baron happens because yeah. there's that moment in there where the baron is like go kill those slave women
0: yeah that you have sex with all the that time that <laughs> you have sex with all the time and in yeah. that very
1: chapter the baron is yelling at Nafud his guard captain and being like I thought I told you to tell me every time you went to the slave women so presumably fades like going yeah to the pleasure pleasure pits or whatever and I read that chapter trying to think of it through the lens of this encyclopedia entry to be like, maybe I missed something, right? Maybe it's my own internal bias where I just assumed he was straight. Let me read this chapter through the lens of him being gay. Right. And it still doesn't ring true to me.
0: Dude, good on you.
1: There's nothing in there.
0: That's a good practice. I didn't do that. I was just like, this is bullshit. (laughs) And then I closed the But like and then that's... I
1: slammed the encyclopedia <laughs> shut and I burned it.
0: If I if I had a physical copy, I would have thrown it across the room. Uh no, that's like that's a good practice of just like, yeah, is this my unconscious bias? But okay, so you're saying even with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lens, it still didn't really click.
1: Yeah. At least for me. Okay. But again, gomtobarpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. It could speak differently to other folks, and I'd love to hear other thoughts on it as well.
0: Okay. So what we've covered so far what our conversation so far is basically almost the entirety of what the dune encyclopedia says about fade Ratha. yeah which sucks again if if it meant fewer like spice coffee recipes i would be okay with that yeah. i want to know more about this character yeah
1: give me a full fade bio
0: but i say that in spite of there being books about <laughs> yeah
1: we gotta address the elephant in the room
0: the the uh B.H. and K.J.A. Elephant in the room. (laughs) Yeah. So, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson have written more about Fade in the prequel novels. Specifically, Dune House Harkonnen, I think, covers it. uh, Covers him. But neither of us have read that book. So, what exactly it says is hard to say. Mm -hmm. They're not very high on our to-read lists because they often, again, directly contradict Frank's writing. So... We're not really going to talk about those details. Yeah. But, you know, we've toyed with this idea of democracy or whatever uh, (laughs) sometimes. So if you want us to, there Mm. is a comic adaptation, a comic book adaptation of House Harkonnen. Yes. That is uh, currently being released, I believe.
1: Yeah. Like came out this week.
0: Wow. Yeah. So on the cover's beautiful. So we will talk about that if you want us to. So send us an email, gomjabarpodcast at Mm gmail.com. We can say it together almost. And (laughs) we will talk about that adaptation if you would like us to. We will eventually talk about the Brian Herbert books, but there's quite a bit of actual dune to get through
1: before we uh,
0: stoop so low.
1: (laughs) Fair warning. I looked at the summary. I looked at the Wikipedia summary for it. Oh, no. Oh, no. And like my blood pressure shot <laughs> up and I, I almost texted you. And then yeah. I was like, it, this is not even worth ruining Leo's day with. And so I didn't text oh, you a screenshot of, of the most egregious parts of that summary of House Rikona. So anyway, come to our podcast at gmail.com. If you want us to uh, read the comic book and share our thoughts about it, we will.
0: Well, we're going to talk more about fade and kind of his role as counterpoint and foil to Paul. And we're going to talk about Austin Butler, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. So stick around, write us an email about how little you want us to talk about house Harkonnen, the <laughs> comic book adaptation. And, uh, right after this, we'll be right back.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to say for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
1: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, folks. Let's dive into what I have been looking forward to this whole episode.
0: Talking about Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Tough look for Fade.
1: (laughs) Tough look for our guy Fade. Yes, we will be talking about Paul, but in contrast to Fade.
0: True, true. I
1: think it'll be really interesting to compare these two characters. Yeah. (laughs) And now that we understand Fade Rotha's background a little bit more, as little as there is in the Dune Encyclopedia, Mm -hmm. I think it's worth exploring and diving a little deeper into his role in the actual book. As this narrative foil for Paul Atreides, as this mirror image of Paul Atreides. Now, on the surface, the parallels between these two young men are really obvious, right? Mm. They are both heirs to powerful houses. They have both been trained from an early age for leadership, getting lessons in combat, politics, military strategy, etc. Right, right. We know that they're both exceptional fighters. We mm-hmm. know that they're both intelligent and charismatic. And, of course, can't talk about Doom without talking about the Benny Gesserit. We <laughs> yeah. know that they're critical. In fact, probably the most critical parts of the Benny Gesserit breeding program. The second to last step in their program towards achieving the Quisatz Haderach.
0: That's true. And that is kind of where the similarities end.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's a lot. That's already a lot and hopefully... That short laundry list, uh, laundry list, laundry list. That's a that's mm. an idiom. Uh, has convinced <laughs> you that this part of the episode is uh, justifiable, but there are some notable broad differences as well, right? Mm-hmm. Paul is raised in House Atreides, the notably and remarkably honor bound. We're going to do things the right way. We're going to lead through loyalty, and people are going to love us. It's going to be great. Yeah. He's also got role models like Lady Jessica and Dungan, Idaho, right? We can see some parallels in the household members where we have Thufir Hawat and Piter DeVry University go uh Jerboa. Go Jerboa.
1: Sure-boa.
0: Jerboa. Jerboa. It was front of mind. Do you remember what Jerboa are? We talked about but them in a we morsel. We did. The,
1: ma- the mouse, the name for the mouse? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Muadib. Muadib.
0: The Muadib mouse. Wow.
1: We've now transcended Dune (laughs) deep cuts, and now we're doing our own deep cuts of ourselves.
0: Listen, I aspire for greatness. (laughs) To greatness, I aspire. Greatness. And then there's a particle in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jerboa. Uh, Go Jerboa. So there are some parallels. Thufir, Piter, right? Right. But Vladimir, notably, does not have a Bene Gesserit person in his household. Yeah. So this is a, a notable lack in his in his kind of arsenal and also a swordmaster. Right. So Paul has these other influences that are very significant. And meanwhile, <laughs> Bayrouth <Bade> as in <laughs> fucking House Harkonnen uh raised it seems like by either the slaves he's murdering, tighter yep. or or Baron Harkonnen himself Yeah. And, and and everything is just driving him to be as ruthless and backstabby and whatever it takes to survive as he can be and that's it like that it's just like such a single note focus it yeah. seems like yeah and it is fascinating this conversation of like nature and nurture because clearly the benny Jesuit are most interested in nature this like genetic quality right but you take these like promising uh almost to the quesats haderac qualities and you give them very different upbringings and you have these like very different characters who handle themselves so differently in these kind of like key moments in the in the story.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's worth breaking that down even further a little yeah. bit and sort of comparing okay. and contrasting them as characters. Like, for example, the first thing that comes to mind for me is their relationship with their father figures. Right. For Paul, it's obviously his actual father, Duke Leto. And for Fade, it's his uncle, right. Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. And immediately the contrast is very apparent. Yeah. Paul admires his father, looks up to him. And in return, Duke Leto is very open and honest with his son. Totally, yeah. In a number of scenes throughout the first book, Leto almost treats Paul like an equal, even though he is his son, his heir, and still, you know, let's be frank, a child, like a 15-year-old kid still. Yeah. But he knows that this person, boy needs to grow up to be the next head of house atreides and so he opens up to him and tells him things that he may not even be telling his advisors
0: right yeah
1: or may not even be telling thufir or duncan
0: yeah no kidding
1: (laughs) and the scene that comes to mind for me immediately is one of the shortest chapters in dune but perhaps my favorite one where duke leto admits to paul i'm tired yeah oh and he's gosh. he's popping those fatigue pills and paul is like
0: <laughs> the anti-fatigue pills
1: <laughs> right the anti-fatigue fatigue fatigue.
0: pills i think that's like cbd <laughs> like oil <laughs> that's nyquil that's right. a, he's <laughs> he,
1: he's popping the uppers not the downers
0: he's eating edibles he's eating <laughs> weed brownies he's like paul i'm tired bro <laughs> Dad, stop eating the weed brownies.
1: How many milligrams is that?
0: He's like, oh, I just lost count.
1: <laughs> I lost
0: count. You can buy a planet with a handful of spice. <laughs> Paul's like, Dad. <laughs> Boy,
1: I'm counting in grams now. What's, what's this milla? <laughs> no, no, he's not popping weed pills. He's popping anti-fatigue pills. And it's the moment where Paul sees his father as a person for the first time, as a vulnerable human being with weaknesses and fears in the face of everything that's happening. Yeah. Uh, And in the face of leadership, you know, it's an honest conversation between the two. In addition to that, Leto is even very clear with his son about what it takes to be that leader, right? Right. He's like, I got propaganda tapes out there because that's what we have to do. But he's very careful to instill... That Atreides honor and that focus on Atreides loyalty that makes their household members and the folks that work for them and the folks that work with them so deeply loyal to the Atreides. Like that—that that is so core to that house and to Paul's upbringing and to his relationship with his father. He's learning these lessons about leadership and honesty and transparency and, you know, also politics. Yeah. From someone who is himself deeply honorable and transparent and intelligent
0: yeah although it's funny because like I remember when we talked about leto in in I think we had a standalone episode we've gotten over a hundred episodes yeah too many things. it's hard to remember it is but I remember like we talked about how like leto is playing a political game like a very totally. manipulative political game totally he's utilizing the fremen I love that line in this chapter where he says, how will the people know I'm a good leader if I'm not there to, if I don't tell them that I'm a good leader?
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It's fascinating. But even through that, it's still at the end of the day, it's about like respect. Right. And it's about, it's about family. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, it's really about family.
1: There's a fast and furious joke in here somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) I can't think of right now, but
0: it's there. (laughs) It's there. It's there. Um, so, so in any case, you're totally right. Even in the way that he is kind of being a political creature, he's cultivating this air of Brever and all of that. You're right. That, that chapter is such a degree of vulnerability with his son. Yeah. That w- n- never in a million fucking years would Baron Harkonnen be like, come here, boy, let me tell you about how sad I am sometimes. <laughs> like, no. Right, right. Absurd.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that level of connection is not there. And, I mean, we see that from the very beginning. Right, The very first chapter, we meet the Baron, we meet Fade very early on in the book, right? This is like chapter two or three. It's one of the first chapters. Mm -hmm. And we immediately see what their relationship is like. The Baron is here telling Fade his plan. Fade and Pider are in the room and he's like, here's the plan against House Atreides. Here's how we're pulling this off. And... (laughs) the reality here is that this plane is already well underway this is not like a pre-production say. meeting yeah. <laughs> you know yeah the fucking film is being made right now the script is done
0: he doesn't have a whiteboard it's not like exactly. sketched on napkins yeah exactly at first you're like oh this is nice he's like getting his son in on the ground level no we're on like the no. 35th floor of construction
1: <laughs> absolutely And speaking to that transparency, there is none. The Baron does not trust Fade enough to let him in on the plan early or to even allow him to influence the plan. He's basically here telling him this is what is going to happen, just so you know. Yeah. You know? And even that, I suspect he's doing because this is his heir and the heir to his seat should kind of note the plan. Right. Right. It's so interesting to see that contrast the transparency of Leto to Paul and Paul to Leto versus this closed off, I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it approach. Right. That clearly the Baron has with Fade. Mm. And I mean, again, let's be clear. There's a literal fucking assassination attempt (laughs) later in the book. So even trying to like overanalyze this relationship (laughs) is sort of a fool's errand because they are ready to, each other. And I don't doubt that the Baron would get rid of Fade in a heartbeat if he thought, okay, this is actually not my heir. He's actually not useful to me. Right. Fade is only around because he's useful to the Baron. And the Baron is only around, as we know from that assassination attempt, because he cuts a deal with Fade and it's like, stop trying to kill me. <laughs> and yeah. I promise to work to put you on the Golden Lion throne. You know, even that is a very transactional moment. And transactional is probably how I'd describe their relationship
0: yeah oh my god no kidding that really is the way isn't it i was also gonna say can you fucking imagine if he succeeded
1: oh my god
0: fade ralpha at like 17 years old the head of house harkonnen that would be the end of the house yeah like no not not to like sing vladimir's praises but legitimately baron harkonnen barely has what it takes to like keep a status quo for house harkonnen let alone fade on the throne? No, and this is also post uh, piter dying. Like, right.
1: <laughs> it's absurd. Right.
0: Oh, God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, having that brash young... He'd be out here just inviting everyone to the gladiator arena? <laughs> yeah. You know? Every dispute, yeah. he'd be like, you want a 1v1 me, bro, in <laughs> 1v1 Let's me, bro. Go.
0: Come on. It's fucking no <laughs> items. Final destination, Fox. All right?
1: Yeah. That would be an interesting turn of events, a hypothetical turn of events for House Hard Conan. And it's not worth getting into this tangent now, but we yeah. got an email from a listener that was like, can you guys do an episode of what if scenarios? Kind of like Marvel what Oh if. my God. And I fucking love that idea and I want to do that episode desperately.
0: Can we propose what ifs for each other, like challenge each other to like play this out? Go.
1: Oh, that's so good. Like we'll have like Listen, one or two that Welcome to can... the pre-production meeting of a yeah. bar episode. <laughs> yeah. Unlike the Baron, we trust you in this process.
0: We do. We do. So don't try to kill us, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Back to fate. Talking about fate. Yeah. Uh, comparing him to Paul. Let's look at the first time Fade and Paul, We the first time we see them kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> because as we know, Fade has done it a lot his whole <laughs> life. Everyone who 1v1s him on a Final Destination, <laughs> Fox, no items. Yeah. Doesn't have a good time. Let's talk about the first time that we see them kill someone in the book. And let's can kind of compare this. So for Paul, we're going to talk about Jameis. Technically, there was that guy in the ornithopter <laughs> that Paul kicked him in the heart and his heart Never exploded. forget,
1: y'all. Never, <laughs> never forget the never heart-stopping forget. kick.
0: The heart-stopping kick. That's some Kill Bill bullshit, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a glorious little moment. But during his duel with Jameis, when he's hesitating and trying not to kill Jameis, basically, Jessica tells us, and I think Stilgar is the person she's talking to, quote, Paul has never before killed a man with a naked blade, uh, end quote. So, we know that Paul, although maybe he's caused a number of accidental deaths <laughs> throughout his 15 years, has never killed a man with a knife, kind of in this intentional one-on-one s- scenario. And the moment itself, after he kills Jameis, is huge for Paul. And Jessica acknowledges this through her actions, she immediately is like, are you going to be the kind of man who relishes and delights in killing weaker men? Or are you going to acknowledge that you are now a murderer? How does that feel? And it's that guidance that is so key in Paul's growth because she even sees the beginnings of, wow, I'm really fucking good at fighting people. I just killed a Fremen. This is crazy. And she's like, no, 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 no. Shut that shit down. Feel bad about what you just did. All right? You are a friend to Jameis. All right? You're a friend to Jameis. Yeah. Yeah. And even during the conflict, Paul is effectively a passive participant. He's not like, you said, what about me, Jameis? Fucking catch these... No, he's not, like, (laughs) instigating. He's literally like, I'm just out here trying to be the Lisan Al-Gaib, you know, Mahdi for the Fremen. Yeah. (laughs) And Jameis is like, I'm willing to bet my knife that you uh, are not that. Mm -hmm. So Paul is effectively passive in, in that whole exchange. And you compare that to like Fade casually murdering <laughs> his like trading partners growing up. Yeah. It's night and day. Very, very different. Um, now, in the book, we see Fade kill the slave, the uh, House Atreides slave, who's going to be played by Roger Yuan, right? I think that's his mm-hmm. name. I think so, yeah. Landville, Lieutenant Landville. Landville. Yeah. He, we see him kill that slave on his 17th birthday in the gladiatorial kind of Coliseum thing in mm-hmm. Harko city on giddy prime and where Paul was every step of the way. Like, how do I avoid killing this man? What am I, how do I avoid taking this life? Fades whole attention is I have orchestrated this spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use this man's life, whatever this slaves life. I'm going to use right. it to put on a display for everybody. Cause when I fucking kill this guy, casually. It's going to do X, Y, and Z politically for me. It's going to show Baron Harkonnen that I'm ready. It's going to be an impressive thing for the Fenrings. That one's really hot. Is he talking about Margo? Who knows? <laughs> Point is, he's thinking about like what this is doing for him politically. How will it appear? How will people see it? How will they perceive it? And the fact that he's about to take a life is not at any part of his internal like process, he's not going. uh, oh, what does it mean that these hands will soon have blood on them? He doesn't think about that at all. It's so casual, it's so nonchalant. And at the point of losing control, at the point of feeling like, oh shit, my life might actually be on the line. I may actually be injured. Right. He's like pineapple, pineapple, <laughs> ah, pineapple. Uh, I fucked up and found out. I, I fucked, fucked up, up and found out. And then found out. <laughs> what's that that audio when will you learn that your actions have consequences (laughs) so yeah he's he panics he uses the safe word and doesn't even reflect he's just like afterwards he's not like oh how embarrassing i used the safe no he's just like that's what it took and did that work did i succeed right and that's it it's like it's so it's such a performance for him yeah whereas paul is in this decision nexus, like, if I die, I'm not meant to go on. And, like, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Faith, pineapple!
1: Pineapple! (laughs) 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 Everybody everybody in the Coliseum crowd is like...
0: Is he screaming pineapple?
1: Pineapple?
0: Is is he a fan of citrus? Uh,
1: I mean, I love a delicious pineapple, (laughs) but... Is he okay? Is he about to die? Is that an <laughs> order? Waiter. Waiter.
0: <laughs> Bring him pineapples. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're absolutely right that for Fade, it is ends justify the means every single time. Right. And for Paul, and especially for Jessica, right? Jessica coming up and being like, are you going to be the kind of person who relishes killing a man? Yeah. That's all means, right? How did you get here? How did you attain this power? How did right. you become... The path for Jessica and for Paul and for Duke you know, for all of House Atreides, we may have to do these things, right? We may have to do things that are maybe below the board, propaganda, use the Fremen, but how we do that is important. Right, right. And how we do that is different from other houses in the Imperium, houses like House Harkonnen. For people like Fade, pineapple, no pineapple, (laughs) drug the gladiator fight in the arena don't drug him give him half a shield that's broke you know do whatever it takes doesn't matter as long as i get the result i want at the end of the day right totally now moving on from that i did want to spend a few minutes talking about their motivations as characters as well Mm. because i think it's interesting to compare and contrast these why does fade get up in the morning right what what gets him out of bed what about paul he's rolling out of that siege cavern every day why (laughs) Uh And I think the thing worth focusing on here most is their ambitions, Mm. right? Because they're both the heirs to very powerful houses. They are set up to achieve as much power and wealth as they could potentially dream of. Right. But for Paul, it's not about that power or wealth. At no point in the book does Paul go, damn, I wish I could sit on that golden throne. (laughs) Yeah. My ass, my water fat (laughs) ass. Would look so good in that golden throne.
0: I'm going to have those uncreased Jordans on, <laughs> you know, on that fucking sexy ass throne.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Never. Not once. Yeah.
1: Does Paul fantasize about that? And even when he does think about becoming emperor, it is a, a way to save his and his mother's life in the desert. It is a is a bargaining chip right. with Liet Kynes. It's not a personal ambition of his. In fact, for him, he is spending most of the book <laughs> worrying about the future, which I can deeply relate to. Oh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> he is obviously plagued by these visions. Right. He is haunted by the Missionaria Protectiva and his role within what the Benny Gesserit have built around him. And he has to come to terms with it. For so much of the book, he rejects it or is resistant to it. You know?
0: Right. The yeah.
1: iconic tent scene. Mom, you made me this way. I'm a freak. Yeah, that's a rejection of what he is. He could be like, "Oh shit, I'm powerful. Let me let me look up tomorrow's hey, like motto." Yo. Meetings. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: Bitcoin next week. How is right. it gonna be? Exactly. How's it oh gonna fuck, be? it's crashing. Like <laughs> it's sell, sell, sell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he could have gone that route. Yeah, but he didn't. For him, <laughs> it is a responsibility. These powers. He is a
0: real cup half empty kind of guy is <laughs> <laughs> She's like you have superpowers he's like all I'm hearing is I'm a freak <laughs> Right
1: right definitely cup half empty To be yeah. fair he's having like horrible visions and like yeah, near seizure like experiences yesterday Yeah, yeah totally <laughs> All of that is to say Paul spends most of the book trying to avoid this horrible future that he sees Right People screaming his name a jihad across the empire billions of people dead right that might as well be fades wet fucking dream
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's actually his go-to fantasy it's actually the (laughs) category he searches on his favorite porn website it's just (laughs) billions dead fiery my name across the galaxy
1: (laughs) jihad be careful searching that on Pornhub. but (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) jesus (laughs) for fade that end would be justified by any means Does it take billions of lives dead across the galaxy? Sure. At least they're screaming my name. At least I am in power. Yeah. He has been brought up within House Harkonnen under the care of Baron Harkonnen to dream of one day sitting on the Golden Lion Throne, to be cutthroat and ambitious. Right. That is what gets Fade up in the morning, is knowing that he is the next head of House Harkonnen the Baron could croak any day now and all the power could be his. And, you know, he's trying to expedite that a little bit (laughs) for the assassination. Yeah. 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 Now what's interesting. I loved that you put this in our script because it is worth noting. Speaking of nurture versus nature, this is the environment he was raised in. Yeah. To be ambitious to, he, he was raised ever since he was a child to only think of power and wealth and politics and, for those to be life goals. He was taught that those are worthy life goals for someone in your position. Yeah, totally. And it's so fascinating, again, talking about a what-if scenario, to think had he been raised on Lankyville with his mother and father, would we know a different Fade Ratha mm. than the one we know under House Harkonnen's <laughs> rule?
0: The greatest crop of produce you've ever seen at any cost. Billions of pesticides dispersed. Whatever it takes. They're like God. Our son's really intense about farming. Yeah, yeah. It's like us when we play Stardew Valley. It's in his
1: nature. I'm, I'm glad he's not thirsting after the throne. He might kill billions of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank goodness he doesn't have a crazy uncle overseeing every decision yeah. about his upbringing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting
1: to think about because. You can see so much of the Baron within Fade's own dreams and desires.
0: Yeah. And also, like, we'll talk a little bit more about this in summary, but just to bring it up now briefly, in an Imperium that pits, like, minor houses against one another and major houses against one another, having that sort of wake-up-in-the-morning feeling like P. Diddy, <laughs> but also ready to conquer and like ready to yeah. take advantage of anybody who gives you the opportunity to do so. Right.
1: Like P. Diddy.
0: Like P. Diddy. You brush your teeth with a bottle of Jack, I think, is the, is the lyric. Uh, any cost, he's willing to pay. Yeah. But it is, it's fascinating because it's like, we talked about this in the Vladimir episode. There's a strong case to be made for like why that's the right way to live life in the Dune universe specifically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's he's out here really trying. He's also way overestimating himself. I think about Baron having that conversation with Fenring and Count Fenring being like, oh, yeah, no, it's not guaranteed that fate is allowed to be your successor. Yeah, we could just not let that happen. And Baron Harkonnen's oh, what <laughs> like right. so caught off guard by the very real fact that House Carino is willing to shut people down. Yeah. If it weakens them and weakens their claim to the throne.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sound like any papers have been signed yet.
0: Yeah. No, not at all. And fade was not privy to that conversation. Right. <laughs> he was getting ready to do his little performance. He is so unprepared and yet you're right. This is what he was raised to believe. He's raised to believe he's prepared.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> so naturally talking about these two young men, Paul and fade, when they finally cross knives, <laughs> when yeah. they finally Ooh. cross blades, so to speak, we should discuss their final fight. Yeah. And talk about maybe how they handle themselves during that moment. And Paul he handles the fight basically as a Fremen. Like he handles it as like a proud warrior of House Atreides, right? And part of this comes down to the fact that Paul believes in Amtal. He believes in this idea that you are, that your true nature is demonstrated when you are pushed to the point of breaking. And by being in this decision nexus where he very well could die, his true nature and his true role in the universe will be sort of decided by whether his training is adequate enough to justify his survival. It really, in a lot of ways, is a pragmatic thing. If I die now, I was not prepared to move forward or whatever, something like that. Yeah. He also even has a safe word. Yeah. And in spite of the, as he said, the legions, the thousands of voices inside of him screaming, say pineapple, please, <laughs> like right. create an opening. And he says, and he refuses to, he refuses to use that sort of compulsion that I think Margot Fenring was the one to right. encode upon Fade's psyche.
1: Yeah. And again, ends and means there. Yeah. Yeah. Very on Very. very, yeah. you know, yeah, in yeah. line with what we've been discussing today
0: yeah if, if you go actually you if you go to taco tuesday night with paul he refuses to order the pineapple <laughs> margaritas because he so <laughs> believes in not saying that safety word that yeah. he won't he's give me the sweetest margarita you have is how he says it right it's right. a lot of syllables
1: and they're always like any any fruit
0: name a fruit dude they're all pretty sweet
1: and he's like the sweetest citrusy kind <laughs> I'm of i'm thinking spiky on the outside
0: <laughs> green on top spongebob's house spongebob's house is the, is the one i'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah meanwhile fade pulls out his little handbook of how to fight dirty and that's his whole playbook like he's just yep. Yep. any means for the end of winning and i want to highlight here that like It's easy to shit on Fade and to talk about his like overestimation of himself and to talk about how he's really making some bad choices in life. Yeah. yeah. But Paul is probably one of the best hand to hand combat fighters in the universe. Yeah. And Fade gives him a run for his money. Right. I just want to highlight the fact that Fade is really fucking impressive. Yes. As a fighter. And I love reading that chapter because it's the plans within plans style of there's always another move ahead that you can be in this game of chess. You know, the the bluffs and double bluffs. It's fascinating. I I super, super love that. And I think it could be seen as underhanded and we're going to call it kind of like cheap tricks. But in another way, like it's just brilliant. It's just like legitimately great one-on-one tactics. Yeah. But we also know that he didn't hesitate to use a safety word when he had one back with the slave and i'm right. sure he would have with paul if he had that option yeah and he also like his blade was poisoned the flip dart in his fighting girdle <laughs> again dumb because it ended up kind of working against him and then he's also like constantly trying to distract paul right right like he attacks mid-sentence at one point He he's really he's just doing anything he can and uh Unfortunately, he's going up against a superhuman. (laughs) But comparing their fighting styles, yeah, he's pulling out any of the cheap tricks he can, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like you said, gives him a run for his money, which is impressive.
0: Which is really fucking impressive. I mean, really, (laughs) just drive that home.
1: Right, right. Golly. You got to give props where props are due there to Fade. Okay, so as we wind down our conversation, this Paul versus Fade convo... It is worth talking about their legacies, what they leave behind at the end of the Dune book. And without getting into spoilers, it is clear by the end of Dune that Paul has emerged the victor (laughs) and that he now sits atop the Golden Lion throne thanks to some negotiations and a transaction of Nike's. (laughs) Between him and Uncreased, Uncreased, Nike. uncreased.
0: Nike Jordans
1: <laughs> or Jordans. Sorry, who knows?
0: We'll change. We'll change the brand of shoe every time just to avoid
1: <laughs> Adidas. Yeah,
0: yeah, pair of Uncreased Adidas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about shoe culture. So someone explain that to me. <laughs> now it's clear that members of House Atreides and the bloodline continue beyond paw right like he has raised himself to power his house his family are now sitting on the most powerful seat in the galaxy right and they will continue to do so that influence for house atreides carries on into future books as well again sort of tap dancing around (laughs) spoilers here
0: yeah spoiler alert there are more dune books
1: (laughs) (laughs) there are more dune books and there are atreides characters in them so they continue to exist throughout the dune books For Fade, I found this so funny. He is the final baron of House Harkonnen.
0: That's true. For like a day, for a full calendar day. Like,
1: exactly. Did he make it 24 hours? Who's to say? But that is where House Harkonnen effectively ends. Yeah. Sure, there might be a cousin Harkonnen here or there, but none of them are powerful enough to hold the house together. House Harkonnen effectively dies with Fade Rotha. Yeah. This is where the legacy of that house dies. And some of y'all might be asking about Margot Fenring. Mm -hmm. Yes, his genetic material is preserved through Margot Fenring and through the child that he had with her. Yeah. But as we all know, the Bene Gesserit have notoriously strict NDAs. (laughs) <laughs> and it's yeah. probably unlikely that that child's connection to House Harkonnen was ever known to anyone outside of a very small circle of Benny Gesserit, much like how Jessica didn't know for almost her whole life who her real parents were.
0: Right. It took her son being a literal superhuman <laughs> to be like, <laughs> by the way, this is your dad. She's like, oh, fuck, really? Right. Okay. Right.
1: To reveal Please. that to her. Yeah. So we can say safely that Fade brought the Harkonnen is effectively where House Harkonnen's legacy ends as a power, as a major power on the political stage of the Imperium. And that's about as different as legacies can get, you know? Yeah. Paul literally at the peak of power and Fade and his house fading out of existence. Uh, Uh, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Did you see my face as I thought of that? I was like, do I say (laughs) it? I'm gonna say it. I got one for the books, motherfucker. Send! send.
0: (laughs) That's a missed opportunity on Paul's part, though. Yeah. He stabs the knife home into Fade's brain. He goes, It's a shame you had to fade from history. And the whole audience is like, Oh, shit. Oh,
1: fuck. He got him.
0: His opponent's dead. That's for us. (laughs) Now that's showmanship, folks.
1: Hell yeah. Oh, man. So that's these, these two characters. And as you stated earlier, it's worth noting that Paul is the outlier here. And not just because he's superhuman, but because House Atreides itself, in the Imperium, in the structure, in the system, are outliers. Right, right. We talked about it in the Baron Harkonnen episode, but being like House Harkonnen, being like Fade Ratha, cutthroat, ends justify the means, do whatever it takes... Ambition, power is what you thirst for. Mm-hmm. That is how you succeed in this imperium. That <laughs> yeah. is how this system is set up. That's what the system supports. Yeah, It's dog eat dog and only the strongest and most cunning and most brutal survive. Right, And right. we see in this book, House Atreides, Paul's entire family, nearly wiped out by the system.
0: Yeah, it's easy to forget. Because, like, Jessica survives and Paul survives and Gurney survives. And, like, there's a bunch of people that we know, who, like, a lot of the... That actually might be it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but think about the fact that still, at the moment of Paul sitting on that throne in his shiny new shoes, a very large majority of House Atreides, the, like, chambermaids and the uh, cooks and the, and the janitors, and, like, they're either dead literally murdered in that one attack yeah or they're slaves on giddy prime
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: it's wild to me how awful dune is for anybody who's part of house atreides unless you're one of the like four people right if you said hey we're going into dune and it's the year uh ten thousand one hundred and ninety ag what great house do you want to be a part of i'd be like fucking anyone except for house atreides (laughs) Atreides. yeah
1: 90 percent chance You're going to be the NPC that gets wiped out. You're not fucking Paul. Don't pretend you're Paul.
0: Don't pretend you're... Don't come into this with main (laughs) character energy. You have a quest for Paul at best. Like, that's...
1: Yeah, you're the quest (laughs) giver. You know, you give Paul one of the fetch quests that he has to do. And then you get killed.
0: And it's a randomly generated... Like, it could have been one. It's not specific. (laughs) You're not even a voiced character in the game. So don't... You drop common loot. Why
1: are we attacking our listeners so aggressively? Oh no.
0: <laughs> it's fun though. It's fun. Sorry listener, I didn't I don't mean it. All of it was a joke. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's that's an excellent point. I think it's worth remembering after everything we've said as much as Paul is our protagonist and our hero. Yeah. It is Fade who is more indicative of the type of person in this Imperium and Paul and his family in the Atreides are in fact outsiders. Right. And Fade is what most of this Imperium acts like for the most part, because that's what the system supports. That's who survives the system. Right. He's still an asshole, though. He's got to stop killing <laughs> yeah. his co-workers. It's called training for a reason. We're using dummy swords.
0: Dude, I don't know how he does it, but uh, he gets it done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, okay. We've talked about Fade. That's That's really what we've had to say today, but as we sort of wrap up the episode, yeah. let's think about Austin Butler as Fade. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was announced. His casting was announced almost, Jesus, almost a year ago, which yeah. is wild. Early March 2022. Of 2022. Yeah. That's insane to me. Time has no meaning anymore, <laughs> but he was in negotiations at that time to play Fade Rautha. And since then he's been confirmed. Uh, although he has recently, pretty recently, told uh, MTV in an an interview that he's been training for four months to get in shape. Yeah. Hard to believe that Fade Rautha Harkonnen is in better shape than Elvis Presley. But (laughs) I'll suspend my disbelief and accept that that might be true. Yeah. Now, in that same interview, he also revealed that he didn't have to audition. This is so funny. A testament, I think, to the way that Denis Villeneuve builds his visions. Yeah. Apparently, Denis Villeneuve invited Austin Butler to coffee.
1: He's like, yeah, yeah. Casual.
0: Come on, have a cup of coffee with me. It'll be great. He's French. It's a very French thing to do. And then a week later, wrote him to say, hey, join the cast.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to do a coffee, movie? That was coffee, man. That was a job interview. That was a job and interview. Austin Butler nailed it, clearly.
0: Welcome to the party. I only cast hot people and I had to see in person <laughs> if you're hot enough. <laughs> and yeah, Here's your letter, your your Hogwarts letter of acceptance. You're part yeah. of the you're part of the cast. So cool. And a little bit of background: Austin Butler got his start in a background role on Ned's Declassified on Nickelodeon. That. Yeah. Did you watch that? I did. I didn't. No. <laughs> was it good?
1: It was fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Over that the... might
1: be a hot take. I mean, yeah. it's a beloved show. It it was sure. fine for me. Other people might love it.
0: But... I think you can beloved things that are not. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I loved eight crazy nights by them. Sandler. That's a terrible movie, uh, but I loved it. Um, and then most recently, of course, the sort of big news is that he starred in Elvis, the, right. uh, the recent Elvis movie. And I'm just going to confirm quickly. He did win a golden globe for best, uh, best actor in a drama motion picture.
1: Wow. A golden globe.
0: Yeah. And I want to point out here, he was up against, Brendan Fraser, he was up against Hugh Jackman, he was up against Bill Nighy, 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 Nighy? <laughs> uh, and Jeremy Pope. It was not like a weak year for drama movies. Yeah. The kids clearly got chops, so it's an exciting time to have him kind of joining the cast and to step in. Yeah. Also a bit of prescience on... Uh, on <laughs> Villeneuve's part, right? Because when this was announced in March of 2022, I was like, "Okay, I don't know who this person is," and now he's a Golden Globe winning leading actor. Yeah, fucking incredible! Like the hype that this brings to Dune Part Two is is very cool. It is very cool. But I think the question here that we're going to wrap up on is Abu, mm-hmm. what are your hopes for Austin Butler's portrayal of Feyd Rautha in the upcoming adaptation in Dune Part Two?
1: Huh. You know, that's kind of tough because he is so new no. and young, and I wasn't a fan of Ned's Declassified, so I don't <laughs> remember him from that. Sure. He was a background character anyway. He wasn't Ned. I'm not sure. It's tough to know what to expect from him in this role right? as Fade Ratha. I also didn't watch Elvis, so I don't know. You know, obviously, he's winning awards for that, so it was clearly a top-notch performance, an award worthy performance literally but I, I didn't see him in Elvis I've never seen him in anything else he's such an up-and-comer <laughs> again the last time I watched Ned's Declassified was like <laughs> nearly two decades ago so I don't recall anything about it except that I didn't like it have I said that on the record <laughs> wow
0: I can't it's hard to believe that Abu's favorite show in the world is Ned's Declassified from Nickelodeon that's wild I would have thought it was Andor. or <laughs>
1: Yeah. So all of that having been said and my total inexperience with Austin Butler having been clarified here, <laughs> I have certainly always had a image of Fade Rotha in my head as I'm reading the books. And when I found out that Austin Butler was cast, I was like, holy shit, that is exactly how I pictured Fade Rotha in my head. Yeah. Sort of like lanky, tall, pretty boy, right? Yeah. That's Austin Butler, and I'm quite excited to see him in the role because again, it's so rare that an actor will fit the image in your head. Right. I actually don't normally picture characters when I read books anyway. Most characters are like these like blank slates in my mind, and I'm always shocked by when they get cast in a movie. It's never what I imagine it. Austin Butler, weirdly, almost exactly what I imagined. I will be curious speaking of the movie I will be curious to see how much of Fade Rotha's role is either expanded or contracted yeah. in the course of production you know in the course of making this thing there will be decisions made about Fade Rotha's character and how to utilize him we've talked now at length about Fade's role as Paul's foil in the book right. as Paul's mirror image i'm curious if the film will also treat him in that way We also have confirmation from Denny that part two will explore much more of House Harkonnen, that we will get more of House Harkonnen than we did in part one. Right. And that, to me, screams Fade Rotha. Yeah. Like, of course, we'll get Baron, but I get the feeling we might see more Baron-Fade relationship and drama and politicking and assassination attempts, of course. I'm excited by that comment. Because casting such a new up-and-coming electric actor in this role, and then also promising more of House Conan, all seems to me like Fade will get a greater role in the film than maybe he even had in the book. Even his role in the book is pretty sizable. Either way, I guess to wrap up my feelings on it, I'm excited about Austin Butler. I'm excited to see what his role will be in the story, in the adaptation. And I think this was another... Home run from Denny. Yeah. Uh, I think he came into this knowing he wanted Austin Butler in the movie and then invited him to coffee and was like, okay, you passed the test. (laughs) Yeah. Here's your Hogwarts letter. Yeah. I guess the last thought I have about this is that I do truly feel bad for Austin Butler, though, because Mm. no one, I mean, no one should have to try and fill the enormous shoes Mm. of the one and only Sting.
0: Right. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: And, uh No one should especially have to try and fill the codpiece of the one (laughs) and only Sting. Yeah. So regardless of how good Austin Butler does, he could win a goddamn Oscar (laughs) for his portrayal as Fade, Ratha, and Dune Part 2. Yeah. It will not be enough to wear the codpiece of Sting.
0: It's voluminous.
1: And that's <laughs> tough. That's a tough look. It's a
0: spacious codpiece. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know. Those are sort of my rambly thoughts on Austin sure. Butler and Dune part two. I'm curious to hear what you expect from him and from the film.
0: You know, listen, all totally fair. And I agree. I equally unfamiliar <laughs> with Austin Butler. Yeah. Again, when I when he was first announced, I was like, I don't know who that is. He looks hot enough. To be a part of this cast, yeah. Because this cast is every single person right. is just like a great looking person. Yeah. Um so part of me was just like, yeah, I'm sure I, it, it almost doesn't matter in some of Denise's directorial style. It almost doesn't matter the actors' abilities. Like David who who is I think the that's that's his name, I think, who's yeah. playing Piter Who plays Pider, yep. Like his acting style in other things as like Mr. Polkadot or whatever, not like (laughs) particularly utilized as Peter DeVry university. Yeah. Go armadillos. But still it was great. So part of me is almost like, I don't think it super matters like a great director with a really strong vision and a solid script can take almost any actor to a good place of collaboration and and listening. And I think it can be great. Mm -hmm. And I think Villeneuve has that Mm -hmm. for this project. So on one level, that's, that's just a blanket expectation. I've seen with part one that Villeneuve knows what he's doing. I'm, I think I'm just going to enjoy whatever he does. That being said, Fade specifically, I think it's really, really important that he's sympathetic and charismatic. I think Frank Herbert wrote this universe to be no one is exactly a caricature, even the most villainous people. Like Baron Harkonnen is arguably like the most villainous person in the movie and the most of a caricature that Frank wrote. And even he is, according to the Imperium's rule book playing by the rules and doing everything the right way, quote unquote. So like I want the audience to be watching Fade and to know that they shouldn't be rooting for him. But I want them to kind of be like, I see where he's coming from and yeah. I like this guy. Because I think that's important to Frank's universe and for that like holistic cast I think it's important for that to be a quality of him. And then the only other real thought that I had is that I think a lot of times when you have a great actor in a room with other great actors or you have just like I'm so excited if they lean into talking more about the Harkonnens because Stellan Skarsgård is such a fucking amazing actor like I love him as an actor. And he yeah. hasn't really gotten to do anything other than like be ominous and big, <laughs> you know, and he like is naked in the steam bath and like, and then he's in the balsamic vinegar goop. And like, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's it. Yeah. That's like, what, most of what he did. So I'm excited to see him open up a bit more. And I'm also then excited to see someone like Austin Butler as his scene partner. Are you kidding me? This like Ooh. handsome live guy and then like Stellan in that beautiful suit and just like all of the kind of mechanical insect-like clicking and maybe the spider creature will come back. Like, there's so many possibilities. Maybe we'll get a Fade Ralph, the spider creature scene where they just oh hang out. God. He rides it in the battle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> rides it into the gladiator arena. <laughs> my trusty steed. <laughs> it goes
0: back on its hind legs like a horse <laughs> rearing. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> in any case, again, also kind of rambly, I think think I'm excited because I trust Denis as the director. I think Austin Butler's demonstrated with Elvis that he can act in a climate of drama being very dramatic and being very serious and grounded. And I'm just excited because, right, if we lean more into, we know that probably one of the early shots and scenes in the movie is going to be the gladiatorial fight at his birthday party. Right. And even I think Roger Yuan confirmed, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be in this gladiator fight scene in the second part, like years before the second movie was confirmed. (laughs) I'm like, are you allowed to say this? Definitely not. Definitely not. But it's whatever. So yeah, I I don't know. I am, I am just excited and I trust Villeneuve and I trust that the teams who have brought us part one will bring us something exciting for part two.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just hope there's a scene between Baron and Fade. Where like, dear uncle, are you ready to rock and roll? <laughs>
0: and Baron goes, little Fade, do not let yourself fade into history. <laughs> and then he puts on his sunglasses and it's like, yeah. And then it's the ending song from <laughs> the fucking show is.
1: I-, I think the lesson we've all learned here is yeah. do not let Leo and I direct a Dune movie. <laughs> No, you're, you're, you're gonna get fade rotha riding a fucking spider oh
0: let us let us please let
1: us. we dare you
0: we fucking double dog <laughs> dare you we double spider creature dare you
1: <laughs> hand us the reins denny yeah are you free for a coffee next week yeah
0: i'm free for a coffee any day for bill no <laughs> hand us the reins for children and beyond we will do it right
1: oh fuck give me children of dune and beyond <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Mwadeev and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you.
1: great great today on the show
0: desperation desperation
1: please
0: (laughs) please please god please